Here comes the Here comes the Here comes the Y'all don't really want it like Hello and welcome in to another episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host for this evening, Matthew Betts, aka the Fantasy PT on Twitter. Unfortunately, Kent Wyrock cannot be with us tonight. Uh, he has other obligations, apparently, allegedly. Uh, but I am joined by my good friend here, Matt Okada, aka Fantasy Sensei, aka Boom Kata from last mm. week. Bring the boom. <laughs> yeah, how you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing wonderful. I got to enjoy one of the best games probably of the year on Sunday night with the Patriots toppling the Chiefs. Uh, I think everybody enjoyed that game, except maybe Chiefs fans, but I, of course, enjoyed it especially. So, Yeah, what a game. That was that was a ton of fun to watch. <laughs> Fantasy points were aplenty. Uh, mm. it, was, it was great to watch. It was, the final was, what, 43 to 40? Yes, it was over eighty points scored in an NFL game, which is that's the that's the new NFL man, points, points, yes, and is. more points. Works for me. Yeah, works for all of us, especially us fantasy players. Yep. Uh, we'll go ahead and uh, get rolling with this thing tonight. Uh, we're gonna start off how we always do. Let's go ahead and get into the news. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story, and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. All right, Brock. Osweiler, how how exciting is this? Brock Osweiler oh. is going to get the start this week against the Lions. Mr. 300 yards himself, Brock Osweiler. Mr. Beat the Big Scary Bears, Brock Osweiler, is mm. now a starting quarterback once again in the NFL. Uh, what do we do with this, Okada? Um, <clears throat> Good question, Betts. Uh, we don't do very much with it. Uh, for one thing, we weren't super stoked on the Dolphins' pass catchers as it was, so I don't know if this changes much. And from what we've seen so far, it's possible it's even a positive, which I never thought I would say about Brock Osweiler getting a start uh, over anybody else. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's kind of unreal, the fact that we're even going to say anything remotely positive about Brock Osweiler. Speak, speaking of positive things to say, did you know that in his first three starts for three of the teams he's played for he's beaten the bears <laughs> yeah that is an awesome that awesome Texans, he did it and i forget the other team and then now his first start with the dolphins he beat the bears all three times it's hysterical wow um he's got their yeah. number all right well apparently we'll, we'll have to figure out next year with uh what team he's on and look at the schedule and we'll just go ahead and chalk him up as a start of the week for that week apparently next year. <laughs> yep. yeah but in terms of fantasy not too much here to read into i i would agree uh we saw an explosion last week from that passing attack which to be honest was probably one of the most fluky performances i think i've ever seen in fantasy albert wilson takes two huge screen plays and slants and, and takes him to the house which you know, you, you can't chase those points, and you really can't rely on that much. Um, no. Outside of that, it is what it is. I, I'm not not going to comment too much more on that. You got anything else, Okada? 
No, that's I I pretty much agree with that. Um, and what will be really interesting to see is whether Tannehill will get his job back if and when he gets healthy. Yeah, and that's that's a situation that's a little interesting. I don't know that there's really been any details, and none that I've seen in regards to what's going on with his shoulder. Um, when Adam Gase talked to the media a couple of days ago, he was Ooh. saying that it's he was grumpy. Oh, he was not happy. <laughs> he did not have his coffee that morning yet, or something. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he was saying that. Uh, Tannehill basically he's like I'm not sure if it's going to be a short term I'm not sure if it's going to be long term you never like to hear those, that uncertainness so our uncertainty I should say I just made up a word <laughs> uh, of what's going on there so uh, it's definitely a little a little sketchy for sure uh, but that's enough enough Dolphins talk for tonight at that point let's go sure. ahead and get into some of these injuries here uh, moving forward into week 7 doctor, doctor, give me the news. all right this is a big one here, Okada. Mr. Devonta Freeman placed on injured reserve. He is going to have groin surgery, um, and his season is essentially over. The team's saying that there's a chance he could be back uh, very late in the year if they're in playoff contention. But at this point, things are not looking good in Atlanta uh, from a win-loss perspective. They're they not looking good. So we got to talk about this backfield a little bit here. Tevin Coleman, Ito Smith, what are you doing here moving forward? Yeah, um... I threw out a uh, retro's report on this, so hopefully you guys check that out. And the the basic gist of it is, yeah, I'm definitely going to lean Tevin Coleman. Ito Smith is, he's been getting the uh, valuable carries kind of inside the 15 and has converted a few of them into touchdowns. So that's kind of held his fantasy value up to a point where it looks even a little bit better than Coleman's. But I think Coleman's going to get the bulk of the work and I think that the goal line work, quote-unquote, is not necessarily locked in for Ido Smith. It may have just been a bit fluky that we've seen it that way. Um, so definitely, Ido Smith should be owned, for sure, because it could be that he does get all the work and we see him suddenly be an RB2. Uh, but I don't expect that. I expect it to be a decent split. Kind of Eagles... I don't want to say Eagles light, because it's probably a little better situation than the Eagles, but very similar to Clement Smallwood. Yeah, I kind of like that comparison, actually, and I would agree. Um, it's it's definitely a situation where, to be honest with you, the backfield has kind of been meh this year. Lackluster. Yeah, I mean, the, the fantasy points are there for one of the two guys each week because one of them finds the end zone, but no one in the backfield has stepped up and taken control uh, of that lead opportunity, which... You know, I still agree with you. I think it's Tevin Coleman moving forward as the one, and then the, the change of pace guy as Edo Smith. But yeah, both guys obviously should be rostered, and, and I think both, especially this week against the Giants, can be played with confidence as an RB2 flex type of play. All right, moving on here. Let's go ahead and get into uh, some quarterback news. Bills rookie Josh Allen suffered a UCL sprain, which is the ulnar collateral ligament. Uh, it's Ooh. a ligament that sits on the inside of your elbow, uh, when he played this past Sunday, he kind of took a hit from a helmet during a, a throw that kind of torqued his elbow and caused it to bend awkwardly to the side. Uh, and there was actually a really good beat reporter video that came out on Twitter the next day, and it showed them doing a test, which stresses that ligament. And you could see how much pain Allen was in. He dropped to his knees, had a look on his face that he was just he was struggling. Uh, but essentially, this is going to be a case where he's out for... Uh, a couple of weeks, likely at least two to three, maybe even more, depending on the severity of the sprain. Um, and essentially, just for the, our listeners who don't know, this is the ligament that gets repaired when baseball pitchers 
have Tommy John surgery. So it's it's not quite to that level, but uh, it's it's a little bit lower on the severity scale. So uh, the you know the next guy up there in in the Bills quarterback room is going to actually be Derek Anderson. It was announced as the starter today. Uh, Woo! Yeah, this gets you excited, huh? Um, I don't know about excited. <laughs> I think Derek Anderson is pretty much the opposite of exciting. However, it is pretty crazy that they went out and got him because they just cannot put Nathan Peterman out there again. Oh, Lord. He is so uh, bad. I feel so bad for that kid, man. What a, what a start to a career. I mean, they put him in in the worst situations possible. They're basically just saying, you know, you're our, you're our sacrificial lamb. <laughs> Good luck out there. And yeah, throws and a pick he, six uh, to lose the game last week. Yeah, I think over his first uh, few games now, he's at like a 12% interception rate or something like that, which is just obscene. Um, But as far as Derek Anderson, he has been in the league since 2006 and has totaled two starts over the last eight seasons. So I have no idea. I have no idea what to expect from Derek Anderson. Um, But this is very similar to the Osweiler situation in that we weren't really going to start anyone from this team probably anyways um it could be that he's a little bit less turnover prone even maybe he's just really safe and boring uh which isn't great for playing your defenses against the bills but from an overall fantasy perspective i don't know if this does much of anything except make allen no longer on the radar for a qb2 with his rushing which is sad for sure and and in terms of the fantasy implications here the defense that plays the Bills will now be even more streamable week to week. Um, this very week, possibly. Yeah, this week it's the Colts. I will say, in very deep leagues and possibly any two tight end leagues that you play in, which, Okada, we have one with Kent in our Battle of the Podcast League, uh, which we are 5-1 and one in, by the way. Ooh! Let's go, Red Let's shirts. go! Uh, we saw Derek Anderson come in and actually throw more to Greg Olson when he was there a couple of years ago in Carolina. I'm intrigued to see what happens if he just peppers the heck out of Charles Clay with targets. Mm. I won't say that I'm picking him up, I'm not starting him, but DFS type situation, tournament play kind of thing, a little interesting. Um, The other thing is LaShawn McCoy. He was starting to get on a roll here, two two games in a row of over, you know, 10 points, fantasy points, and, and this kind of derails that for me, so... If you can sell Shady at this point from those two, I won't say boom weeks. For him, it was a boom <laughs> week this year. Uh, I would definitely do it. Moving on here, we, we talked about the Dante Foreman situation last week with Mike Wright from the Fantasy Footballers. So I'm not going to get into too much of his medical perspective here. But the team has announced he won't be activated this week. We'll have another week of Lamar Miller leading that backfield. Okada, what... What is your take on on what owners should do with Lamar Miller? Do we hold out on him and just kind of keep riding the volume and hope that things turn around? Or is this a situation where you're selling for pennies on the dollar? Um, I don't even know if you can sell him. I think he's closer to a drop candidate right now than a sell candidate. He's been losing his work to Alfred Blue, uh, let alone Donta Foreman coming back. Um, and really not producing despite decent carry counts. Uh, so unless you're in a really deep league where you just need five points from Al- or from uh, Lamar Miller in your flex or God forbid your RB two spot, I certainly don't want to start him, and I would consider dropping him 
And I would consider stashing Foreman, although we've talked about the Achilles and what we really can or can't expect from him. So it's all in all, it's a bad situation. And that team is, I don't think, headed in the right direction, despite the fact that they won three straight games. Yeah, how's that happening? <laughs> I don't know. And you, you, my friend, are talking directly to a very sad Lamar Miller owner in our Red Shirts Listener League. Uh, I have no other options. I am playing Lamar Miller every week. Someone please trade with me. <laughs> Moving on here, let's get into uh, a couple of quick hitters, and then we'll get into the you know the meat of the the podcast here, going some over unders and starts of the week and all that good stuff. Evan Ingram set to return this week from his MCL sprain. He's missed the last uh, couple of weeks. He is all set to go. He's practicing in full. Speaking of MCLs, Cooper Cup uh, hurt his MCL this past week, which was a nasty horse collar tackle. I'm sure you saw it, Okada, where his knee just got bent in half and pulled underneath him um, and miraculously returned in the second half, Aaron Rodgers-esque. But he's going to be out this week, likely multiple weeks for sure. Uh, moving forward here, T.Y. Hilton will test his hamstring the next two days. He's been practicing in full today, which is Wednesday. So we're going to look to see if he can progress his activity throughout uh, throughout the week and, and hopefully be good to go for this Sunday. And then finally, Leonard Fournette remains sidelined with that hamstring injury. Still a week-to-week situation. It doesn't look like he'll be available uh, for this Sunday. Okada, anything to uh, add to those situations? Yeah, well, to those situations, all I'll say is I'm... Uh, Cooper Cup's injury news was some of my favorite injury news of the entire year. I thought it was going to be really bad when I saw that happen, like you said. And it's really great to see that he's okay, rough or relatively okay, and will be back. Then the one thing I'll add is, I don't know if you saw, but Dalvin Cook got in a full practice today. I did see that, And yes. Yahoo sent me an update that says, Dalvin Cook has been changed from questionable to healthy. And I was like, I don't know if healthy is the right word, but I will take it. Uh, we'll keep your eye on that news. Maybe you'll see a redshirt report if we see something uh, later in the week. But if he's finally ready to go, then that will be very exciting for all Dove and Cook owners who have been waiting patiently. Oh, very patiently. Um, and yeah, and the thing about Dove and Cook is he was close to going last week, which mm-hmm. Thankfully, thank goodness, the medical staff and the team decided to hold him out because Agreed. last week he said he was at 80 to 85%. You never play a player when they tell you they're not 100%. That's It's an easy decision for you. They make your decision for you. So, uh, so I was happy to see them hold him out. I hope that he is turning the corner towards that 100% mark. Uh, again, let's, let's watch the practice reports this week, see what happens. If he's off the injury report... That means he's practicing in full, and you you have to trust him in your lineup. I mean, you drafted him as potentially your RB one or your RB two, and now you get to unleash him. So, yeah, if he's uh, if he's on your roster, plug him in. I bet you twenty bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. Let's go ahead and get into the over under segment here. Uh, I'll have Kent update us all next week on how we did last week. I didn't didn't take a look at that. Did you look, Okada? I did not, but I okay. imagine that you and I destroyed Kent. Actually, oh, I know that's not possible because we agreed on almost everything. But <laughs> Yeah, that's that's pretty much a given each week. We'll see if we can differ here a little bit. Uh, but we'll go ahead and get into uh, each guy at a certain position here where we go in. We look at the projections on Yahoo for a point PP, .5 PPR league, four points, passing touchdown. And we say, are they going to score over the projection or under um, the theme this week, Okada? And it's I guess it's a theme. I don't know. I picked guys on Yahoo that all had the red next to their name, meaning they Ooh. had a matchup that was quote-unquote bad. I like it. For their position. 
I believe that they go, what, top 10, middle 10, and then red is like bottom 10? That sounds that correct. Yes, yeah, so I those believe are all, that sounds correct. What they say is, is a bad matchup based off how the defense has done so far this year. We'll start with the uh, the quarterback position. We're going to go Matthew Stafford versus the Miami Dolphins. He is projected for 17.91 fantasy points. Okada, is he going over or under? I am going to take the under here, actually. Um, the Miami defense has been very good against the pass, uh, as can be guessed and assumed by the fact that they're in here, per your theme. Uh, but they have not been good against the run. So I expect the Lions to lean on the run a little bit more than usual, which is a big deal for them. Uh, hopefully we maybe see Carrion Johnson actually get some decent work, although probably not because Matt Tr- Trisha hates his guts. Um, the uh, the pasty has actually only allowed one quarterback on the season to get over this mark, and it was Trubisky. Lol. Yeah. What? Uh, yeah. Um, and Stafford has been under this mark himself three of five weeks. So all put together, I mean, there's a great chance he gets a couple big bombs to marvin jones or just throws 50 times because that's what stafford does sometimes but i'm i'm gonna go the other direction on both of those and take the under yeah and i think all the points you made there are pretty strong points i would argue here that i'm gonna take the under as well and and maybe just for a slightly different reason we talked about it a little bit earlier brock osweiler is on the other side of the ball and, and there's no way he does anything close to what happened last week uh, if he does i'm gonna be absolutely shocked but if he can't keep the offense on the field and put up you know, a bunch of points against this Lions defense, there is a good chance that Stafford won't have to throw as much in the second half, which is going to limit his upside. So I am also going to take the under here. And what do you know it? We agree once again. Boo. Boo. Yeah, I agree with you, though, man, on, on carry on Johnson. I think this could be this could be the week. Hopefully, we're all, we're all rooting for it, but Matt Patricia does not care about your fantasy team. No, he doesn't. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and get into another running back this week. Uh, Mr. Mark Ingram takes on the Baltimore Ravens at home. He is projected on Yahoo for 11.72 fantasy points. I'll go ahead and kick this one off since you did the quarterback first. Uh, I'm going to go under on Mark Ingram this week. I know that last week he had a great week. Two, or, sorry, two weeks ago, sorry, with the, uh, with the bye. Two weeks ago had a great week. Uh, two touchdowns, and, and kind of stole the show from Alvin Kamara. I think that this team understands that Kamara and Ingram need to work together and that they need to have those two guys in sync. The Baltimore run defense is very, very good, and their defense in general is good. We saw them absolutely stone the the Titans last week, which I don't know if that's saying much anymore, but uh, I do believe that this is more of an, uh, a Kamara game versus an Ingram game, so I'm going to go on the under here at 11.72. Yeah, uh, first of all, shout out to uh, me for sitting all bills last week against the Ravens. This no, is Titans, a fun Titans. fact. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry, Titans. This is a fun fact, Betts. Did you know that they sacked Mariota more times than he completed a pass? No, they did not. Yes, they did. They <laughs> oh, sacked him 11 God. times. He completed 10 passes. So they are very, very good on both sides of the ball, which makes this a tough call. For me... I'm going to actually take the over, and it's for a couple reasons. One, I think that as good as a Baltimore run defense is, their pass defense is even a little bit better, and we saw how much they annihilated uh, Mariota and the Titans last week. So I think that 
it's possible that the Saints lean a little bit more in their running backs, and I kind of expect to see that as a trend moving forward after Breeze uh, has passed these records, gotten through the weeks without Ingram. I think they start to kind of revert back to what they were doing last season, uh, which is Breeze much less pass attempts, running backs more uh, more carries. And I also think that this is going to kind of be a grinded-out game uh, between these two teams. So I think Ingram gets a little bit more of the work for that reason. And I'm just going to throw in a goal-line touchdown, and that's what's going to get him over the mark. So I'll take the over. Yeah, that's, but it's, that's, it's that's not easy. It, right? If he finds the end zone, he goes over. And if he doesn't, Pretty much. he's under. So we, we differ on that one here. We'll go ahead and kick it over to the wide receiver position. Julio Jones versus the... I'm trying to look for a word here that's kind uh, versus the struggling, Hashtag not good, <laughs> struggling uh, Giants on Monday Night Football. He's projected for 16.63 fantasy points. Does Julio go over or does he stay under? This is the high projection, but I'm going to take the over because he's scoring two touchdowns. Book it. Gosh, gosh <laughs> darn it. Yeah. I mean, this is this is. I don't know how many more weeks we're gonna say this because I'm sure we've said it a half a dozen times now. But this is insane. How many yards he is racking up without getting a touchdown, and it has to stop at some point. So I'm taking this week, and I'm just going overboard and giving him two touchdowns. Uh, the Giants' D has looked good against receivers, um, at least, and this is why you probably saw it as red on fantasy sites. But that's because they started the year against the Jags and the Cowboys. And then when they played the Saints, it was all Camara. I think that's the game he had three touchdowns. Yep. Uh, so I think it's a little bit skewed. And Julio Jones is a better receiver than anyone they've played all year and just about anyone they'll ever play. So I'm going to take the over by a hefty amount because of my two beautiful touchdowns that he's finally going to snag. Oh, they're going to be so beautiful. Just so, so beautiful. Uh, I agree with you, man. He's going to go over. I don't know if I'm going to go with two touchdowns because I don't want to get too ahead of myself. I think he does find the end zone. We saw last week on Thursday Night Football what Alshon Jeffrey did to Janoris Jenkins, who I believe will be covering Julio. Um, and Alshon looked great. So we know that Julio is, is a far superior talent to Alshon Jeffrey. I think more of the same is coming for him. Uh, the other thing of this this piece of the puzzle is the fact that Calvin Ridley and Mohamed Sanu are both banged up this week, so they may not play. If either one of those guys sits, even more volume for Julio. Yeah, he's he's an easy one this week on this over, so I agree with you. He's going to go over that 16.63. Moving on to the tight end position here, Eric Ebron, who has been absolutely on fire the last few weeks, is going up against Buffalo. He is projected for 10.63 points this week. I am going to take the under on this one for Eric Ebron. With T.Y. Hilton expected to come back this week, I think the volume is going to change a little bit. He won't have quite as many opportunities to find the end zone and to be pretty much the only relevant guy in the offense for, for Andrew Luck outside of a few catches here and there for Chester Rogers and you know other guys. So I, I'm going to go ahead and take the under. I think T.Y. steals the show, and uh, he disappoints owners this week. Um, I think that's decently fair. Uh, but I'm going to take the over, and the main reason why is a little something I'm going to get on a soapbox and talk to our listeners about, which is diving in a little bit more to the defense against positions uh, fantasy site colors slash rank. So I'm actually glad you took this theme, bets because this is important, I think. Um, 
Especially when it's something like tight ends, where it's very dependent on whether they're actually facing a decent fantasy tight end. You have to do a little bit of digging sometimes. Um, And the Bills have played mostly atrocious tight ends all year long. But when they played Kyle Rudolph and Jimmy Graham, they allowed a receiving touchdown to both of those guys. Those are the two touchdowns they've allowed to tight ends all year. Um, And Rudolph also had five catches for 48 yards. So, And I don't even think Rudolph's that great. But he's a startable fantasy tight end. And when they've played startable fantasy tight ends, those guys have gotten numbers. So that combined with the fact that I love Ebron overall, I'm not one of the guys who thinks that he falls off a cliff when Doyle comes back and or even Hilton. I think he has his own role um, and will continue to put up points even when those guys are back. So if or if not, as far as Hilton, I'm going to I'm going to start Ebron this week and I think that he just crests this 10.6, maybe 11 or 10.7. Uh but I'm taking the over. Uh okay, that sounds fantastic Okada. I like it. We differ on that one again, so this is good to have some uh some variability. We'll go ahead and get into the flex this week. Again, not a real flex question. Obviously, you're starting both of these guys, but the real, you know, real question here is who has the better week: Michael Thomas versus the Ravens, who we've talked about a little bit, or DeAndre Hopkins against the Jacksonville Jaguars? Okada, I'll let you go ahead and uh, take the first pick here. Uh, okay. This this is this is tough a little bit, but it actually gives me another little tidbit for another little soapbox. So, bets you're just feeding me right now. And here's what it is. Go ahead, man. Do your thing. Here's what it is. And actually, you kind of brought it up a little bit earlier when you talked about uh, Janoris Jenkins and how he got smoked. You cannot uh, lock in shutdown corners year over year as shutdown corners. It's something that we see change pretty often. And in these two games, I'm going to take the Baltimore corners over the Jacksonville corners, i.e. I think that they're actually playing better football right now. Ramsey and Boye have not been what they were last year at all. Uh, they've looked bad. They've gotten beaten, at least relative to their, their previous success. And if you guys, any of you guys watch Jalen Ramsey's postgame, uh, it, he is, I don't, he's a baby is what he is. A big mouthed baby. And I think that <laughs> I, I think that that defense is reeling right now um, after getting smoked by the Cowboys, and I think that they are not as much of a you cannot start any of your players against them as they have been. Also, I just think DeAndre Hopkins can dominate uh, elite corners if they were elite a little bit more than Michael Thomas. He's just such an incredible athletic talent. Um, his hands are insane. He can go up and get tight. We saw it last week, actually. He got a crazy mm-hmm. touchdown. Yeah, that was a great, t- great so, catch. So I'm going to take Hopkins, and I'm done with my soapboxing. Dude, we might be here for like two hours if you keep this up. Woo! Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I agree with you, man. And I think that that's a, a great point for our listeners, too. Like you talked about with the positional you know, rankings and looking at matchups and all that kind of stuff, things change. And so when you look at these matchups, it doesn't matter what happened weeks one through four. If you're at week 15 of the season, things change a lot. So, you know, these rankings and these kind of matchups that you look at, I agree with you, they change a lot. And that needs to be a factor in your decision. Um, I'm going to differ from you a little bit on this one. I think that with how we saw uh, Deshaun Watson play last week, he looked a little 
hesitant. He looked a little nervous to scramble and do what he normally does because of the fact that he's been so banged up. He's dealing with a lung contusion right now, uh, which is pretty painful when you breathe. Yeah. So we saw his play significantly affected last week. Fortunately for DeAndre Hopkins, he found the end zone. Otherwise, his his week would have been ruined as well. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and, and take the quarterback in Drew Brees, who is looking great. And uh, I'll take Michael Thomas over the Ravens. All right. We will get Kent's uh, answers to all of those, and we will tie those up and see where we're all at here heading into week eight next week. I imagine that I will do horrible, as I usually do, and that <laughs> you guys will continue to improve on me. We'll go ahead and uh, get into some guys that we're excited about this week. Let's get into the starts of the week. Drivers, start your engines! All right. Okada, I'm going to let you kick this one off because I know that you've got a a guy that you're very excited about. And I was going to talk about some news listeners at the start of the show, but Okada said, you got to wait. I've got some fire to bring for, uh, for my start of the week. So the floor is yours, sir. Ooh, baby. Uh, listen, Kent, if you're listening and you have a boom by POD drop, throw that in here because I'm about to bring some boom kata action. <laughs> My start of the week this week is Josh Lash Gordon, baby. Oh, surprise, my. Surprise. oh my, am I excited. Okay, so first of all, the news that you talked about, Bill Belichick came out this week and basically says, quote, his role is expanding weekly, and we'll just see how it all plays out. Now, to the average person, that probably doesn't sound that crazy. However, if you translate that from Belichick language to normal person language, that means he gon' ball! <laughs> and yes, I if, love it. Keep going. If that wasn't <laughs> enough, uh, if you guys did not see Tom Brady's Instagram post last week where it said attack and had a sick picture of Josh Gordon in a Patriots jersey... Listen, this is all narrative stuff, but I love it. And then there's the stats. So last week against the Chiefs, Gordon was second among wide receivers in snaps behind Edelman, and he actually led them in routes run and in targets. Brady was legitimately forcing the ball towards Gordon, and they didn't quite hook up. There's a couple times he was slightly missed or it looked like maybe they weren't quite on the same page, which is a kink I expect to work out. There was also a huge potential touchdown that he actually caught, but then the ball knocked out, and he drew a pass interference on that play, setting them up on the one. Uh, So it doesn't really show up in his stat line, five catches for 42 yards, but they are getting him involved. And you do not have to get Gordon that involved for him to start putting up huge fantasy points because of who he is. Uh, The Bears defense is obviously good, but they're actually middle of the road in pass yards allowed. They're allowing 260 per game, which is the 17th, I think. And Khalil Mack is banged up. Uh, I think he'll be hampered in this game if he plays. There's possibly even a chance I think he doesn't play, which means less pressure on Brady. All that combined... I am throwing out Josh Gordon. I think this is the week he breaks out. I'm not going to say a stat line, but it might be 300 yards and three touchdowns. <laughs> Give or take a few yards and maybe a touchdown. Yeah, I, I like it, man. If Tom Brady is posting on his Instagram a picture of you, lock it in. Mm. Ten targets. Mm. I mean, when I, when I saw that, I was like, wow, this actually is going to happen. And I actually used that, no lie, as a start-sit decision, and I started Gordon. Same. I'm intrigued, and I'm excited about the fact that um, his snap count went up tremendously. Yep. Uh, I know a guy who writes for the Fantasy Footballers. His name is Kent Wyrock. I'm not sure if you've heard of him. He puts <laughs> out 
a, uh, a snap count observation article each week. Last week, Josh Gordon, 26% of the snaps. This past week, 80% of the snaps. Ooh. I mean, that is absurd. Mm. So if he's going to be out there that often and Tom Brady is throwing you the ball, yeah, uh, I don't blame you for ha- making him your start of the week. For me, I'm going to go ahead and get over to, to one of my start of the weeks. Uh, I'm going to start with a guy that, for me, I feel like has just been disrespected. People are down on him. No one wants to play him right now. But listen, listen, Okada. Ooh, I'm listening. You you got to bless him, man. Oh. Just bless him. Bless him. Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry. I, I'm sticking with Jarvis. He's got the Bucks this week, so it's a phenomenal matchup. Uh, the, co- the combination between he and Baker Mayfield, unfortunately, hasn't been there quite yet. However, what has been there is the targets. The past few weeks, he's been targeted a ton. And again, like I said, he hasn't done much with him You know, lately. He's still sixth in the NFL at the wide receiver position in terms of targets. So we talk about it all the time. Follow the volume, follow the volume, follow the volume. It's there for Jarvis. Um, I think that it's going to turn into production. And you've got to trust the fact that when you get thrown the ball that much, eventually good things happen when you're as good of a player as Jarvis Landry is. I think these last couple weeks are a fluke, and I'm encouraging our listeners to stick with him this week and beyond. Like we talked about uh, with Baker Mayfield a couple weeks ago, right, Okada? The matchups are the best that you can ask for in the next four weeks. Tampa Bay this week. Mm. Pittsburgh next week. Kansas City and the Falcons. Oh, my goodness. Four for four. He's a guy, honestly, in Jarvis Landry that I went out this week, and I tried to trade for a lot. Um, in my leagues because people are so down on him and that those matchups are, are tremendous. So I'm firing up up this week everywhere I've got him and I love him this week. Yeah, I I could not agree more and I'm not even a huge Jarvis truther, but especially this week with that matchup, you could start almost any receiver and he is certainly the best and uh, most targeted uh, or I expect to be the most targeted this week receiver in Cleveland. That's going to be a fun game to watch. I hope Mayfield just goes runs rampant on on the Buccaneers and kind of quiets people who are saying that he's looking a little bit uh, not a bust necessarily, but disappointing. Uh, this this next four weeks, like you said, should be crazy awesome. So I like Landry here and beyond too. Yeah, one hundred percent there. Uh, we have a little bit of more leeway this week without Kent running the show here. Just bringing us down, man, all the time. Mm. No, I'm just kidding. Um, we've got two starts of the week this week, and then we've got a special uh, special one here from Kent. He sent us one that we he wants us to talk about, so we'll do that one last. We'll save it for the end. Uh, Okada, give me your second start of the week. Okay, so uh, if Josh Gordon was just about the most exciting start of the week I could pick, this next one is possibly the least exciting, and it's Frank Everlasting Gore. He is... <laughs> Never say die, Frank I, I do not understand this man. He might be made out of metal instead of human body parts uh, because he just keeps churning. Um, Double-digit carries in three straight games. He's averaging 5.4, 5.4 yards per carry over that span. Uh, again, Kenyon Drake, Gase, among the people he does not like, uh, including the media is Kenyon Drake, who is the black sheep in this offense, and he just... And that was all before the goal line fumble in overtime, I believe oh, it was. so bad. Last week. Yeah, overtime to win the game. Yeah, Um. so uh, uh, he may even lose more of his role. I'm not sure. Uh, they redeemed that game in the end. Uh, 
But then uh, also for this week, the Lions run defense, they're allowing the third most yards to the running to uh, as far as rushing yards per game, 145 and the third highest yards per carry to running backs. So this it's a good matchup. Uh, is basically what I'm saying. It's not bad. It's it, not bad. It's, it's it's quite solid. We saw Isaiah Crowell run all over them, although he's apparently prone to do that against a few different teams. Um and uh, listen, Normally, I don't think Gore would get a start, but the Packers RBs are on by. The Seahawks RBs are on by. Uh, both of those guys, I think, are people that you've probably been picking up and plugging into your lineup of late. Uh, and then Marshawn Lynch and James Conner are also on by. So I think there's going to be some teams who need a running back, and I would also potentially be willing to flex Gore. I think he potentially hits 15 carries, hopefully gets a touchdown, and is a decent, if not high, upside flex. Yeah, are there any teams not on bye this week? I don't understand what the NFL is doing when they come out and they make the schedule. It's like one or two teams here and there, and then all of a sudden it's like, boom, six teams on bye. Uh, and you're left starting Frank Gore on those weeks. So <laughs> It's going to uh, get please, worse, too. Yeah, please, NFL, help us fantasy players out. Don't do that again. Uh, but no, I, I can see the argument there. I 100% agree that that fumble, I think, hurts Kenyon Drake moving forward. And I don't know what it is with Frank Gore, but man, he just gets it done. It doesn't look pretty. Don't watch the game. But at the end of the day, when you check your your box score and your fantasy score, good things happen. So if it's uh, it's working for Frank Gore, it's working for you. He is, by the way, 35 years and 156 days old. I just had to pull that up to check. It's incredible. To be exact. Yeah, good for him. He's He's got to be on the TB12 diet, right? Apparently. Apparently, yeah. All right, my second start of the week here is a guy that's been absolutely on fire the last few weeks, Tyler Boyd, uh, potentially the wide receiver one in Cincinnati. Oh, boy. No, I'm just kidding. It's still A.J. Green, but Tyler Boyd is an excellent uh, second fiddle to A.J. Green, and he gets to take on the Kansas City Chiefs this week. Okada, you watch Sunday Night Football. How do the receivers do? Uh, against the Chiefs, last they week. Uh, they did well, and uh, they will continue to do well, and they have always done well. Kansas City is awful. I am confident, Okada, that if you lined up at wide receiver, you would catch a touchdown. Against Listen, the man, I am six foot two, and I may only weigh like hundred and twelve pounds, <laughs> but I could jump up and catch a ball against that defense. Dude, that's what Robbie Anderson weighs. He's doing well. There you go. You can do it too. <laughs> Uh, Tyler Boyd, he's he's going to be a great play this week. Did you know, Okada, from weeks two to six, and week two is the breakout week for Tyler Boyd, he's wide receiver 13. That's crazy. I, I did not realize he was that, that good and he was doing that well. I did not um, know that. I did trade for him in a league, yeah. and I traded. I think I traded Emmanuel Sanders to get him. So I definitely believe, but that that's even higher than I expected. Yeah, another interesting little stat nugget here that supports, again, like I've talked about before, I'm a volume type of player in fantasy. Give me those guys. He's averaging more targets per game than Keenan Allen, Tyreek Hill, and Robert Woods. Wow. So those are all big-time players. And I believe, honestly, Tyler Boyd is a wide receiver too the rest of the season. No questions about it. Put him in your lineup. So if you've got him this week, I'm, I'm very excited about playing him against the Chiefs. Love it. Fully on board. Awesome. All right, Kent, it's your time. You're not here with us. Uh, you, you know what it is, Okada? I think he didn't come to the pod this week because I'm playing him in the Listener League. Oh. And he was a little, a little nervous. The fear. The fear is there. 
Uh, Ken actually has no fear because I can f- confirm that by his starts of the week that he's True. had the last few weeks. He doesn't care what you think. He tells you with facts and stats why you should play this guy. This week, Willie Sneed uh, the, of the Baltimore uh, Ravens. Sneed? Willie Sneed. Kent's argument here. All right. This wide receiver has had at least seven targets. He's had five receptions and 55 yards each of the last three weeks. Very quietly. No one's talking about this guy. Another interesting stat nugget from Kent. He leads the wide receivers on his team with more than 10 targets and total yards after contact. And Okada, maybe you know what this is. RACR? Um, I do not. That Race sounds, car? Racer? Yeah, racer. That sounds like a typical Kent stat. Usually Kent stats have something to do with above expectation or something like yep. that. So maybe that's what it means. Kent, when we uh, when we release this pod, we're going to have to have you explain quote it and put it on explain Twitter. Explain yourself. Explain yourself. Uh, and Willie Sneed is also 14th in yards after um, yards after contact with the reception, 7th in catch percentage on the season. So he's getting it done quietly. No one's talking about it with Joe Flacco having a better year. Um, most people consider Willie Sneed to be the third option in that offense as he's in, he's in the slot, but he's got a great matchup this week. You know, the opposing team and cornerback are not great that he's going to play against. Uh, and so Willie Sneed, he's in Kent's lineup. Do you guys agree, Okada? Um, I, uh, start is a difficult question. Like is, I'm definitely on board and I actually added him in my, uh, league of record and am considering starting him. It's between him, Marlon Mack and actually Frank Gore, my start of the week. So I'm loving these, uh, these stats from Kent. Speaking of which, by the way, I looked it up while you were finishing that explanation. Receiver air conversion ratio. Which tells what? me absolutely nothing more than I knew from just knowing the acronym. <laughs> Can't explain yourself. Still. This is too many statistics uh, for us. Having said that, the, the easy stats that you started with, which are that he's getting targets, catches, and yards, they're all there. Everything is there for Willie Sneed. And, of course, this is a revenge game. Uh, oh, you got to always go with that narrative against the Saints. So always, I I'm not sure if I'll start him yet or not, but it, I would absolutely not be surprised to see him have a good week, and I might start him myself. So I like it, Kent. Yeah, Kent's always coming out with these spicy takes. So so good stuff there, Kent. Uh, we'll go ahead and kick it over to guys that we are going to sit this week. Why do you do this to me? I'm benching you, Lewis. Nobody get another word out of you. Sit down. All right, my first sit of the week is a guy who was phenomenal last week. He looked great running the ball. He looked great passing the ball against a very good defense in the Jacksonville Jaguars. But it's not going to happen this week. It's Dak Prescott. Uh, I'm going to keep him out of my lineups this week against the Redskins. I feel like last week was honestly a fluke. And, And honestly, he didn't really do much with his arm. It was all the rushing. 11 rushes, 83 yards, and a touchdown. So if he was a running back in your lineup, he would have had a great week. Um, I don't know that he gets it done against Washington. They've been very good against the pass this year. They're averaging uh, sixth best in the league, 6.9 yards per attempt. So they're a tough defense to play against for quarterbacks. And in the past eight road games that Prescott's played, he scored less than 14 points in seven of them. So I'm going to stay away from this situation. I think last last week was a little bit of a misleading game, and uh, I would not chase those points this week. What do you think about that? Uh, 
Yeah, I like it. Um, like you said, Prescott's fantasy numbers looked good from last week, but it was 82 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown that made him look good. Um, and not only that, but you read off the Redskins' uh, stats against uh, the pass, and that's including Drew Brees smoking them in his record-setting game. Um, and I think that that was a Drew, B- Drew Brees-only kind of situation. Dak Prescott is not him. So I do not expect good things for Prescott in this game. I, I'm sitting him too. I agree. Yeah, and this goes as well for the pass catchers. There, we saw Cole Beasley explode. Do not chase, chase Cole. No, points. no, no. Do not fall in that trap. Uh, he's going to be a four for 48 yards type of guy most weeks. So don't don't chase those two touchdowns for sure. Okada, we'll kick it over to your first sit of the week. Who are you going with this week? Uh, yeah, so sadly for our dear compatriot, Jen, I am sitting Alex Collins this week versus the Saints. So the, the oh, other, she's so mad at you. I know. Uh, on the same team as Kent's start of the week is Mr. Collins. Listen, he has not topped 68 rushing yards this entire season, and he only has one game with more than seven yards receiving. So he's not really getting it done from a yardage perspective. He has scored in three of six games, and he scored twice last week. So everybody, I think, is going to be pretty hype to start him this week. They're going to think that Buck Allen is finally dead, and Alex Collins running away with the RB1 season that we kind of hoped he might have. I'm not going to chase those points. I think it's still going to be pretty much a toss-up moving forward between him and Buck Allen. Um, and the, uh, the another new running back that popped up, I can't actually remember his name, uh, but he, I think he actually out carried Buck Allen last week. Uh, Edwards. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if whose name. Who was it? His last name is Edwards, and his first name starts with a G. I don't even know what it is. <laughs> Gus. G Gus, Edwards. Yes, Gus Edwards. That's who it is. Um, but I think it's going to be more of what we saw for the, for the beginning of the season. I think last week was a bit of a fluke and I don't want to chase the Alex Collins points. Um, and uh, like I mentioned before, I think that the, the Saints Ravens is going to be a little bit gritty, but I do expect the Saints to win. They're actually not favored. The Ravens are favored at home because they've been crazy good at home, but I don't think they've met an offense and a quarterback like Drew Brees. So I think he gets them out to an early lead and Collins kind of disappoints and maybe even disappears in this game. Yeah, I definitely don't trust the situation. Collins is a guy who, you know, I think most of us were in on this this year and we were excited about. I have him in a, a couple of leagues and honestly, he's just been sitting on my bench just not doing anything for me except for scoring two touchdowns last week. Mm. Uh, so I, I don't know what to do with the situation. It's Buck Allen, then it's Alex Collins, then Joe Flacco throws for three touchdowns, and it's just you don't know what's, what you're going to get. I, like I said, probably my third time now, follow the volume. It's not there for Collins. So, yeah, I like it as a sit this week, um, and I agree with that 100%. All right, my second start – or no, sorry, not start, sit of the week. Do not start this guy. No, do not. Uh, do not. Do not do it. However, I will preface this. This is probably more of a tamper expectations sit of the week because it's a tight end and because the tight end situation in the NFL for fantasy is quite miserable. It's Trey Burton. Uh, I'm going to sit him down this week, if at all possible, against the Patriots. He's just been so reliant on if he scores a touchdown or not, which, again, that's the state of the tight end position. But it's not just that. When he catches a touchdown, most times, two out of three, it's a stinking shuffle 
pass, mm-hmm. a shovel pass from Mitch Trubisky. They love that play. Uh, and so that, that just scares me a lot. Um, the other thing is we saw this huge explosion with Mitch Trubisky in the last two games that the Bears have played. 670 total yards and nine total passing touchdowns for Mr. Risky, which has been crazy. Um, but when you look at what has been there in terms of how much of that production is is with Trey Burton, it's really minuscule. The targets aren't there. Um, and he's actually 15th at the tight end position in terms of targets per game this year. So he's relying solely on that touchdown. And most of the time, he does not get it. Uh, he, he's just so tr- tough to, to trust. So if I have two tight ends on my roster, maybe you picked up OJ Howard this week. Maybe you grabbed Greg Olson coming off of injury. I would love to play both of those guys over him this week. Yeah, this this one's tough. Um, I also heard that Allen Robinson did, had a limited practice, I believe, today. And if that happens, it reduces the 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 targets there a little bit. So Trey Burton might get some some decent work, uh, especially against the Patriots if the Bears are behind, which I expect them to be. I. I, I can't agree with you that he's even close to a sit, and I know that you said it's maybe more of a temper expectations. I, th- I think I might have to disagree with you entirely on this one, Betts. I'm, w- I'm willing to start him. Fair enough, fair enough. I'm willing to start him and expect decent things, at, for, at least for a tight end measure. Um, so they're going to have to score some points on the Patriots to keep up, and that means they're going to have to score some touchdowns. And... I think that Trey Burton has as good or better of a chance than just about anyone on that team. So I kind of like him, uh, but I'll allow it. Yeah, you do your thing, man. I will. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep him on my bench. I actually have a league where I have Olsen and uh, and Burton, and I'm gonna go ahead and sit him down. Uh, we'll see if it comes back to bite me in the butt. I will say Okada, you were right. Mm. And if not, I'm gonna say I told you so. Ah, and it's not entirely unrealistic that you have someone too, because um, he was on bye a couple weeks ago. Maybe you picked someone up who has actually been decent, even like a Nuzoma or whatever the heck his name is. Um, How do you even say it? I don't know. I should probably look it up. (laughs) I have access to pronunciation guides at the NFL Network, but I haven't looked. Uh, Use your insider information. Get that done. Yeah, so if you have someone, it's it's maybe not as good of a, an option as as normal, but we'll see. All right, Okada, let's wrap up here our sits of the week. Go ahead and hit me with your second guy that you're going to leave on your bench this week. Yeah, so this one is kind of the opposite of Collins. Collins, I'm telling you to sit because he just had a great game, and I don't think it's going to happen again. This guy just had a horrible game, but the reason I'm t- marking him up as a sit of the week is because I don't think people are ready to just assume that he's not good. And that is Deshaun Watson, who most people drafted as a top five quarterback this year, despite the fact that we told you not to. Uh, And he was just awful last week. 177 passing yards, three turnovers against the Bills. I think these hits that he's taking are getting to him. You mentioned the, what was it, a lung contusion? Lung contusion, yep. I didn't even know you could get contusions on your lungs, but when you're getting oh, hit... Oh, you can, and they hurt horribly. Yeah, when you're getting hit like Watson is, it does not surprise me. He has looked shaken. He's looked turnover prone. He's making really bad decisions. Both of his interceptions about last week were awful. I watched the whole game. Also, he's thrown an interception in eight straight games, which is the longest active streak in the NFL. He is not. Wow, pro- I did not realize that. Yeah, he does not protect the ball, and it's getting worse, I think, because of this awful 
offensive line and his decision making. And of course, he is going up against the Jaguars. I talked about the corners not being as good, but the defense as a whole and especially those pass rushers are still extremely solid. And the offensive line is awful. So you said I could catch a touchdown versus the Chiefs. I might be able to get a sack (laughs) against Deshaun Watson. And Kent (laughs) certainly could with his uh, football, military football experience. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, so uh, I'm sitting Deshaun Watson almost everywhere except maybe in two QB leagues. You can get someone, a streamer, a waiver wire pickup that I would rather have this week. So don't feel like he's an auto-star just because of where you drafted him. Yeah, I uh, I agree with you, man. I like that take a lot. Uh, and actually, if you remember all the way back to the summer, I made a bold prediction. Deshaun Watson's going to finish outside the top 10 at the quarterback position. Mm-hmm. Right now, he's sitting at QB, QB 10 on the year um, in terms of total points. So, of course, you know that doesn't factor in the bye weeks. But when it's all said and done, yeah, he's just not... He doesn't look the way he did last year. And like you mentioned, I don't know if it's the line or if it's the confidence issue or what it is this injury it's just it hasn't really been there for Deshaun Watson and like you talked about too this this matchup certainly doesn't get you excited uh I don't care what Dak Prescott did last week the Jaguars are still a very good defense and uh I can see him on the turf a lot this week so I like it a lot all right let's go ahead and move over to our flex or next segment 4002 Mr. Burgundy just doing my workout Oh, it's a deep burn. All right, Okada, let's go ahead and talk about some of these difficult start-sit decisions here. Are you going to flex these guys, or are you going to say no next, wait for next week? The first guy on this list here is a guy who most weeks you would say you plug him in and you don't even think about it. Jordan Howard, he's playing the New England Patriots. Are you going to flex him, or are you saying next? Oh, man, this is. there have been a few draft picks this year that have just massively disappointed obviously Le'Veon Bell um Deshaun Watson even is, has been a disappointment guys like that Jordan Howard is quickly working his way onto that list um and I I don't remember if I ever said it on the pod but coming into the offseason I liked Tariq Cohen in this offense a lot better because of Matt Nagy and what I expected him to want to do and we're starting to see that Jordan Howard is getting slowly phased, not I don't want to say phased out, but phased down. And especially in this game against the Patriots, uh, which I expect the Patriots to be leading for most of it. Ah. Ah. Do I have to choose? I'm going to say flex because he's still a lead back, quote unquote. Um, and I think you probably were expecting him to be an RB2, if not an RB1. So he should be able to slide all the way down to a flex and still be okay. But I really don't like it. Yeah, I do not want any part of Jordan Howard at this point in the season. Um, if at all possible, for me, sit him down next. It just has not looked good. The, you know, The volume isn't there. That's what he relied on when he went over the 1,000-yard mark uh, the past two seasons with rushing. And it just hasn't really happened. I don't. I don't know what the reason is, or particularly, possibly Matt Nagy. But yeah, Tariq Cohen stepped up a lot in the last two weeks, and, and I can see this being more of a shootout type of game where Tariq Cohen takes more of the work from Howard. So uh, I'm gonna go ahead and sit him down this week, if at all possible. Another guy that we touched on a little bit earlier here. Let's talk about Kenyon Drake versus the Detroit Lions, which on paper looks like a really nice, juicy matchup. But I know that you're excited about Frank Gore. Are you also willing to play Kenyon Drake this week? 
Oh man. Um no. Is no. No. No, no way. I, I the matchup <laughs> is delicious and if he gets even 8 to 10 carries, he could do quite a lot with them versus his defense, but I don't I'm not willing to bank on that. I have no confidence that he will get that. So, I'm going to say next on Drake and continue to do so until we see something change, if ever. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's one of those situations like like I've talked about on past pods that I'm comfortable being a week late on players like this. He could literally come into your lineup and give you four to six points and ruin your week. And it's just not worth the risk to me. So I'm going to go ahead and, and sit him down. Um, and I'm not surprised that you said that because Frank Gore is going to have a great week this week. You know it. The Matt Okada guarantee. Mm. All right. Next guy on the list here, Marlon Mack. He came out last week, first game back from the hamstring injury, 12 rushes, 89 yards. This week he gets to take on the Buffalo Bills. Um, what are you doing with uh, Marlon Mack? Uh, I'm going to flex him. I think that people have been holding on to him, or if you're lucky, someone else dropped him and you just recently added him. Uh, and he looked quite good in his return. Um, the Bills defense is solid, but... And th- I can't believe that I'm... I mean, the Colts are 1-5 and five and the Bills are 2-4. and four. But the Colts are at home, and I really do think they're a better team. I don't know how the Bills have gotten these wins. So I'm, I'm going to trust the Colts to pull this one out. Uh, and therefore, I'm going to be okay starting their lead back, which is what I think Mac is. So I'll, I'll, I'll flex Mac this week. Yeah, he actually did look pretty good last week. I, I think I'll flex him too. Uh, it's one of those weeks, like we talked about, bye weeks are massive this week, and you're losing a lot of players that are startable. So Marlon Mack could certainly be an RB2 flex type of player. And unfortunately, I, I wanted Jordan Wilkins to be a thing. Marlon Mack is the best running back in terms of being a runner in this backfield. I still like Naheem Hines a lot, but yeah, I'm going to go ahead and flex him with with you as well. I like that. Next guy on the list, we're going to kick it over to wide receivers. Sterling Shepard with an absolutely delicious matchup on Monday Night Football. He gets to take on the Atlanta Falcons. Evan Ingram's set to come back this week, so is that going to you know, affect your decision here to flex or say next on Sterling Shepard? It's going to affect my expectation a little bit as far as how high I would project Shepard, but it's not going to stop me from flexing him against this defense. They are just decimated, uh, and I would start just about anyone against them. Sterling Shepard is very talented, so he's not just about anyone, um, and I don't think he'll need too many targets, You know, maybe five for four receptions. 70 yards or something like that I think is enough for a flex and I think you can get that against this defense so flex yeah I like it as well I'm gonna say flex with the caveat of PPR formats only PPR Mm. or half PPR Uh, I don't like him in standard I don't think his his chances of finding the end zone are great we saw uh, another Odell type of antic on the sideline I think it was the GM or potentially the owner coming came out this week saying yeah John Mara yeah, talk less and play more. I think OBJ comes out and has a huge breakout game this week, um, and I don't think that Sterling Shepard finds the end zone. So PPR leagues, flex him. Standard leagues, say next. I am curious to get your perspective, especially as a fan of a divisional team. Do you think Odell is kind of being a crybaby or uh, sort of trying to goad his team into excellence and he should be commended for his ferocity, quote-unquote? Oh, I do not believe he should be commended okay. whatsoever. Uh, I love that he plays with so much passion and energy. Don't get me wrong. That's 
you know, you want that in your players, and at the highest level, they should be doing that. But the way he goes about portraying it, I think, is all wrong, and I think mm-hmm. it takes away from the team concept. Walking off the field before the half is over, to me, is never okay. Nope. I don't care what they said. He, they said he was getting an IV. No, he was not. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't agree with his antics, but like I said, I like his passion, and he's a, obviously a, a huge uh, part of the offense there. So I get his frustration, but no, you, you can't do what he's doing. Agreed. What do you think? Let me get your take. Uh, no, on. I definitely agree. But I, I think I've heard people who kind of, you know, compare him to Tom Brady yelling at people on the sideline and saying, well, how come he's not just being this? And I don't think it is that I agree with you. All right, let's go ahead and kick it over here. We got a couple more guys. One guy that you were sitting last week because he plays for the Titans, Corey Davis. This week he gets the L.A. Chargers. Is he startable as a flex? Oh, man. Mm, in a PPR league where your receivers are not great, unfortunately, yes, I will flex him. But other than that, no. And if you're in a non-PPR league, a league that does not reward any sort of, of receptions, I would honestly consider dropping Corey Davis. Uh, oh, yeah, wow. Yeah. After his big week, I said, I don't think this is going to last. And I don't think it has. I mean, well, it hasn't since then. And I don't think it- he'll pop up every once in a while with a 10 reception game because he is the guy, quote unquote, which I'm saying a lot today. Uh, but Mariota is trash. He is very, very bad. <laughs> uh, not- and apparently he can't feel all his fingers. So that might explain it. Um, but this is this is a good defense. They've been improving uh, as far as the Chargers. And I don't want Corey Davis unless I have to start him in a PPR league. So next in non-full PPR, but I'll flex him in full PPR. I'm going to take it one one step up. Next in all in Ooh, any format. Savage. Your sit of the week from last week is now the sit of the year for the Titans offense. I want absolutely no part of it on any week, any situation, any matchup, until I see it. So I'm with you, Okada. I, I don't think Marcus Mariota is good at football, uh, and I'm very interested to see what his future is like. So let me let me ask you a quick question here. Kent, sorry, we're off the rails. We're going to go a little long today, but you're not here to slow us down. So <laughs> The trains are off sorry. the track! Uh, Okada, he's only under contract. This is Marcus Mariota through 2019. He will be 26 in 2020 and an unrestricted free agent. Will he be a Tennessee Titan in two years? Oh, man. Number two pick, and we're talking about just ditching him. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say that maybe it's the hand. Maybe he just needs to develop a little bit more, but somehow he gets his feet back under him and therefore his arm back over his shoulder and out towards the end zone. Because <laughs> apparently he can't do that right now. Um and maybe they get him a few more weapons. Davis is really the only weapon there. And their ground game is dude, trash right now. Um, oh, it's so bad. So, d- despite the fact that we thought they had great running backs, and I don't think that's helping him. So, I- I'm going to give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt, despite how bad he's playing, and say he'll be there. But there's a very, very, very good chance, and much higher than there should be for a number two overall pick, that he's not. So, I think it's a good question. Yeah, it's, it's definitely an interesting situation. I think it's... I think he'll get a pass this year because of the injury situation with the nerve contusion. And I honestly think the team's going to say next year, get it done or we're out. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised to see them look for someone in free agency or potentially draft someone because it just ha- hasn't happened. 
yet, unfortunately. All right, last two guys here, Kata. Let's let's go through these quickly because we got off on a, a tangent there. Uh, Marquise Goodwin looked awesome on Monday Night Football. Two touchdowns and exploded on the Packers defense. Does it happen again this week against the Rams? Is, are you uh, flexing him or is he sitting down? Yes, it does happen again. And yes, I am flexing him with a side note that I don't expect this for the rest of the year. I think that it, it will be very boom bust for Goodwin. It was boom last week. I think it'll be bust for most of the rest of the year, potentially. Although Beckett's playing better than he should be. I don't know why. Uh, he was awful last year. Yeah, um, take notes, Mariota. Yeah, apparently. But the reason <laughs> that I am I'm in as a flex this week is because the Rams secondary right now is surprisingly horrific uh, with Aqib Tlaib out and Marcus Peters playing very, 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 very badly for some reason. And it could be he had a small injury in the game that Tlaib uh, got his IR injury in. So maybe he's still got lingering something from that. I don't know. But he's been terrible. So I think Goodwin will beat the Rams on at least one deep play in this game. They're going to have to throw a lot. Yes, I will flex him. Yeah, I don't blame you for all those reasons that you mentioned that you're going to flex him. I think it's a, a fantastic matchup, which on paper may not look as great because, like you said, the Rams' secondary looks good on paper. Their defense looks good on paper. But we've seen teams have to throw a ton to keep up with, with this high-flying attack. So I think he's very startable this week, and I would love him in my flex spot. Last guy on the list is a guy that was on waivers and was, I think, 1% owned as of two days ago. Jermaine Curse. Are you going to play him this week and flex him against the Minnesota Vikings? Uh, I wish that uh, Kent was here to talk to us about the Vikings cornerbacks and who would play most likely against the slot because I doubt it would be Xavier Rhodes, which means that Curse will not get their best corner because I expect him to play from the slot. And for anyone who has not heard this anywhere else yet, Curse is now what Quincy and Nunwa was in the first first couple weeks when we were going ham on Quincy and Nunwa because he was getting ten receptions a game. With Anunwa banged up and Curse now back, he is he's gonna be that guy. Um and I expect him to have to throw in this game. So yes, I will start Curse. I will expect seven plus receptions. Probably I'll take the over on that even. Um, he may not get a touchdown and he may not get a hundred yards, but especially in PPR leagues and really just about anywhere I'm willing to flex him. Yeah. Jermaine curse is a rock solid flex wide receiver three type of play this week. He's going to have a ton of volume We're we're looking at a situation where Quincy Numa is out for the high ankle sprain and trial Pryor is also banged up with a groin injury. So it's unclear if he plays. So the target share is going to be there. And I think that, even if it doesn't look pretty, he gets it done eventually at the end of the day. Like you talked about, you know, six, seven, eight receptions and 80 to 100 yards, somewhere in that range. So, yeah, definitely a, a flex-worthy option this week. I like it against the Vikings. Can we talk about the mail, please, Mac? I'm dying to talk about the mail for you all day, okay? All right, Okada, we've got a couple of questions here to answer for our listeners. Uh, we are talking about head-to-head comparisons for two players for both these questions. Let's start with just this week. K Butler 92 at kbutler92 on Twitter, wants to know, start this week, Austin Hooper or Evan Ingram? Mm, wow. This is a great question because it pits a totally unexpected waiver wire tight end against a top five draft pick who's finally back for you. The, I'm going to say no. I was going to say this is dependent on Sanu and Ridley and whether they play, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to take Hooper in this one. I, wow. Yeah, I want to see Ingram 
play well um, after coming back from this injury. I actually uh, wrote a case against Evan Ingram coming into the season for the fantasy footballers. So, and that was, I mean, I'm not claiming success because he's been injured, but what I am claiming is that I did not expect him to be a top five guy uh, regardless of the injury. So I'm, while Hooper is hot, I'm going to start him this week, even over Evan Ingram. Are you forgetting who wrote the case for Evan Ingram this year? Oh, was that you, (laughs) Mr. Betts? That was me. Uh, For those of our listeners who don't know, the Fantasy Footballers writing staff, which all three of us are on, does a for and against series heading into the, the season. We each pick a side on a player that says we're for him or against him, and here's why. Okada was against him, and I'm for him. So I'm going to take a cop out here with the injury. I think that he would be uh, a top five if he was not injured <laughs> right now. If it wasn't uh, you, but, if, if it wasn't you, I wouldn't have claimed the success. Now I'm going to claim the success. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I win. Yeah, I, I like that that start for Austin Hooper. Um, he's been on fire, man, and this, this offense has been clicking on all cylinders. So I actually agree with you. I'm going to start Austin Hooper this week. And I think that even if, like you talked about, Sanu and Ridley don't sit, he's still going to be a viable option, especially around the end zone. With Evan Ingram, we don't know what his usage is going to be like sliding back in from that MCL injury. So at the tight end position where it's a crapshoot, take a little bit of safety and and start Austin Hooper. So, yeah, I like it. You've got uh, both myself and Okada's blessing on that one, K Butler 92 all right, second question here, Okada. At Russian Anton wants to know, who would you rather own rest of season, John Brown or Sammy Watkins? Oh man, hey, we got another tough one here. I uh, I can see why they're sending these questions in because if I was trying to make the decision, I would probably send these questions in. Um, I'm gonna take John Brown because his usage is a lot better than Sammy Watkins. From both a target standpoint and from how he's being targeted, um, it takes Brown very little from a volume standpoint to put up very solid numbers. I think he was actually, I, I haven't looked recently, but as of a week or two ago, I believe he was leading the league in air yards, which is a fancy Kent stat that I do understand, uh, which is basically the yards uh, that of the ball travels on targets that he receives so something to that effect it's i don't know how to explain it very well but can you have a better Basically, explanation when you yeah when the quarterback throws the ball to the receiver essentially it's a, a stat line that shows how far the quarterback is throwing the ball total to the receiver um and so therefore guys with bigger opportunities that are getting downfield throws all that kind of stuff have more air yards than someone else like uh jarvis landry who catches the ball like four yards from line of scrimmage so does that Makes sense yes. a little bit. Yes, excellent yeah. explanation. And it's a good stat because it helps uh, get rid of things like strange drops um, or maybe even PIs. I'm not sure if it gets logged on those. But those kinds of plays that John Brown is very, very good at where he can get a deep ball from Flacco and get a, a startable fantasy line on one catch. Um, and Watkins is just not really showing up. So I'll take John Brown, sadly, despite the fact that I was a big Watkins truther coming in. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. This one's actually pretty easy for me. I'm, I'm going John Brown as well. It just hasn't been there with Sammy Watkins, and it's a crazy world we live in, but we are both taking a Joe Flacco wide receiver over a Patrick Mahomes wide receiver. Uh, but for all the, all the reasons Okada mentioned, I 100% 
agree on that one. Okada, how do we do, man? We're all done. I mean, Kent would be giving us many hand signals about wrapping up, but... Uh, yeah, faster, come on, wrap yeah, it up. Yeah, but he's not here! So, the, the train is well <laughs> off the tracks, and I'm enjoying the ride down the hill or wherever the train goes when it's not on the tracks. <laughs> wherever we're going. Yep. Yeah, sorry about that one, Kent. But uh, to all our listeners, thank you again for listening and tuning in. Um, we just want to go ahead and take a second to keep reminding you guys to keep reaching out to all of us on Twitter. We're all super active, and like Okada mentioned earlier, we're, we're all doing these hashtag red shirts reports on Twitter. A couple minutes of a video talking about breaking news or, or things that just happen outside of our weekly pod that we don't have time to get to and record a full pod. Um, so those are those are all helpful. You can find those on our Twitter page at RedShirtsFFPod. Find myself at the Fantasy PT. Okada is at Fantasy Sensei. And Kent is at Kent Wyrock. Uh, we also want to have a, a reminder for you guys here to keep looking at, out for more of the TFA content. Our writers on that staff are doing an incredible job putting out content all the time, um, and it's been good stuff. We've also got the uh, the DFS DJ Nation pod and the Dynasty Life pod, so check all those out. Um, keep listening to us, and until next time, we are the Red Shirts. Ooh,